0: Hi, everybody, Jimmy DeYoung, and welcome to Prophecy Today. We're here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Judy and I were on the road. We have a schedule almost weekly. We're in a church meeting someplace with a prophecy conference. But for the next couple of weeks, actually, it was an agreement between the churches and our ministry to shut down. Churches are not allowed to get too many people together. In fact, what I did on the church last Sunday, on Monday, we had a meeting. They shut the church down, but we went live streaming from the church. And the congregants were able to watch that. So that's the way we were ministering last week. And that reminds me of our YouTube channel. We've had an uptick of people coming to our YouTube channel. By the way, that's youtube.com forward slash prophecy today. We're putting new information up, Bible prophecy teaching that will assist you since you may well be confined to your home Judy and I have kind of self-quarantined ourselves in our home. Praise the Lord for the opportunities that the Lord is opening for us. If you can't use YouTube, go to my website and the Prophecy Bookstore. We have some very important specials, some reduced prices on some of our materials to assist you in this time of kind of self-quarantining. Go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Prophecy Today, or go to my website, prophecytoday.com. Go to the Prophecy Bookstore and see what you may be able to take advantage of reduced prices on our materials. Well, right now, and as we begin our conversations with our broadcast partners, we're going to go first to Ken Timmerman. Uh, he has been in Europe. He is in southern France at this point in time. And can just tell me, what's your situation? Can you come home? What's actually going on there where you are in southern France?
1: Well, Jimmy, since Tuesday, we have been under house arrest in France, <laughs> along with 60 million French men and women. The government's calling it voluntary confinement, but there's nothing voluntary about it. No. Uh, they began on Wednesday Finding people who left their homes without a government issued travel pass. And hmm. yes, on Thursday they started throwing people in jail who were congregating in public. So the French have gone completely insane. Yes, there is a authentic health crisis here, but they are failing to meet that challenge and instead are installing a police state.
0: Well, that is probably what's going to go on on much of Europe and maybe ultimately could lead here to the United States. We'll have to watch it very closely. Going to have Sam Rohr on with us in just a bit. He's the head of the American Pastors Network. He's going to give some suggestions to the churches on what they might be able to do. Here's a headline that I wanted to ask you about. Iran official is calling for a deliberate spread of the coronavirus worldwide, and he says for the purpose of bringing the Mahdi, the Islamic Messiah, on the scene. What are your thoughts about that story?
1: Well, just when I think that things might be completely insane here in France Lo and behold, comes an Iranian Hoja Tal Islam. this guy's name is Panahian, who encourages Iranians to spread this virus around the world to bring about the Mahdi and the end times. Uh, again, this is, it, it is totally insane, but it is in keeping with Shiite eschatology. And this is not just any ordinary low-level cleric. This particular individual heads a think tank that is sponsored by the Supreme Leader. So he is actually part of the ruling clerical establishment, and he's saying that the coronavirus pandemic is the prelude to the emergence of the expected uh, Imam Mahdi.
0: Yes, that is a very interesting thought. Because people don't realize sometimes that the Muslims, and in particular Iran, have an eschatology. They believe that Mahdi will come up out of Iran itself. We'll stay on top of that story. But at the same time, there are other officials that are warning the virus will probably kill millions there in the Islamic Republic. They have not been prepared, and this is going to be a real hard time for them as well.
1: It is going to be a hard time, because up until just this past week, they were allowing pilgrims to go to religious shrines in Mashhad and in Home where they have the particular habit of licking these shrines. Thousands Mm. of people will line up to get inside them, and they will all lick the shrines together. And it's no coincidence that the pandemic has broken out in both of those towns, in particular in Holm, uh, where tens of thousands of Iranians have been infected. And without a better public health system and recommendations from the leadership, they could have hundreds of thousands of deaths in the coming months. And and Mm. people are starting to warn about that in Iran. Public health officials are warning. uh, But they're getting mixed messages from the very top.
0: Talk to me about a European Union document that has been put out. Uh, They are saying that Russia is endeavoring to put out disinformation about the coronavirus to sow panic in the West. What do we know about that?
1: Well, very interestingly, the the European Union has officially issued a study, an intelligence document, if you wish, about what it claims are Russian government disinformation stories and articles and television reports, especially in Spain, that are spreading lies about the coronavirus, claiming it was created by the United States in a bioweapons lab and spread by U.S. soldiers in Lithuania. This is, of course, a complete falsehood. And the European Union is warning about this. The Russians have denied it, of course. But look, this should not surprise us. Russia has not changed from the days of the Soviet Union in so far as it continues to seek the end of Western economic and political dominance in the European heartland. They would like to destroy American power to weaken us as much as possible. They would like to undermine the European Union as much as possible. And by spreading these rumors that the pandemic was created and spread by the United States. They are trying to drive a wedge between the U.S. and Europe. They're not succeeding, though, because the European Union itself has seen through their disinformation campaign and is publicizing it.
0: And meanwhile, Russia and China continue to have trade ties between them and also increasing those trade ties and activities even though the coronavirus is really causing some problems, Russia and China are sticking together in their trade aren 't they
1: well this is this is extremely interesting it 's interesting to see the Russians essentially moving increasingly towards Asia, towards China, but also with Syria. You and I have been covering that for quite some time now, but the Russians, as they have been checked. In Ukraine, by the United States, by Donald Trump in particular, by the delivery of uh, lethal weapons to the Ukrainian government against the secessionist movement that is led and supported by the Russians, the Russians have pulled back a bit and they're moving more towards Asia, towards China, towards the Middle East. The trade with China has increased as the coronavirus has spread. Now, it raises a lot of questions to me, Jimmy, about whether there is some strategic interest here between Russia and China in the spread of the coronavirus. People have said that the Chinese have paid a heavy toll for the virus breakout. I'm not so sure that that's true yet. I don't think the human toll has been very high uh, with over a billion people and the Communist Party of China really couldn't care less about losing 10 or 20 or 50,000 or 200,000. You know, they slaughtered off tens of millions during their cultural revolution uh, in 1966. So they don't really care about losing a small number, comparatively small number of their own people, if it gains them some kind of strategic advantage. And this relationship with Russia, as it grows, could turn into a strategic advantage for both of those countries against the United States, against Europe, and against the West in general. That's something I think we should keep our eyes on.
0: Absolutely, Ken. The Bible talks about the importance of China, kings of the East, coming across the Euphrates River into the Middle East and in cooperation with the Antichrist there in Babylon. That's a prophetic scenario. We'll get to that when we take a look at the book. But your report just enhances the possibility of that being the case. Well, let's change from the coronavirus situation to the United States, who has declared the new Islamic State leader is a global terrorist. We have to deal with that at the same time we're dealing with the virus.
1: Well, well, that's right. And this is just the, the person who's taken over from Baghdadi. He's a, a minor cleric. He used to be part of al-Qaeda in Iraq. Uh, he's not a well-known terrorist, if you wish. He's not an Osama bin Laden-type character. But what's interesting is that the Iraqi government even recognizes that ISIS continues to exist both openly on the surface inside Iraq and covertly as yeah, a cell structure beneath the surface. And they still have several thousand fighters in Iraq. Uh, they don't own territory, so that part of the war has been won by the United States and our allies, but they still have a structure. They're still able, apparently, to smuggle oil and uh, to have revenues, significant revenues, to maintain an infrastructure, although it is not territorially. Based. They are spread out over a wide area in Iraq and Syria. Their communications, obviously, amongst themselves, are covert, so they don't own towns, they don't own villages as they did before, but they are still there, and the U.S. is continuing to go after them, including, as you say, by designating their new leader as a global terrorist.
0: Folks, that's the voice of Ken Timmerman. He's our broadcast partner. Actually, he lives in the United States, but as he said a moment ago, he's under house arrest there in southern France, and we'll have to find out when he's going to be coming back home. But he's still on the job reporting what's going on in the geopolitical world and helping us to understand how these current events are actually setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Ken, I want you to be safe and be well, my good friend. And if you're still in southern France next week, we'll talk to you there again.
1: Thanks, Jimmy. And you, too. Be be very careful. And self-confinement is not necessarily a bad thing if it truly is voluntary.
0: (laughs) Yes, if it is voluntary. Well, it is as far as Judy and I are concerned right now. We're going to have to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to get a Middle East news update. David Dolan standing by. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today.
2: Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible Prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. David Dolan is standing by. He's the guy who covers the Middle East. He's done that from a journalistic responsibility for over 30 years, and he knows what's going on in that part of the world. That's why we bring him to the broadcast table. He'll be here in just a moment. Let me remind you that at our YouTube channel, youtube.com, forward slash prophecy today. You can go and study Bible prophecy there because we're putting up absolutely new information on our YouTube channel, Teaching Bible Prophecy. Me on location, former Day of Discovery television programs. It's just going to be a wealth of information prophetically that you can study if you have some time and probably do have some time here in this Crisis with the coronavirus spreading as it is. And by the way, if uh, you can't get onto the YouTube channel, go to my website, prophecytoday.com, go to the Prophecy Bookstore we've given some discounts on some of our videos that may be also usable in your study. You just go there and order at the reduced price. You'll be able to study it in your home where you may be self-quarantined at this time. Well, let's get to David right now. David, a lot of things happening there in Israel, but uh, the focus basically is on the coronavirus crisis. And there's a lot of things happening And I just wanted to tell you that I'm excited about what's going on, because within this last week, about 25 new immigrants from the United States made Aliyah. In other words, they came to live in Israel. Even during this crisis, both in the United States and Israel, there are Jewish people that are following the command from the Word of God for the Jews to return to the land that God has given them. That's a very positive type of thing to be able to report, isn't it, David?
3: Well, it is a silver lining, Jimmy, uh, definitely. And also, I think you posted on your site so you know about it. There's also more freedom for Jews to pray up on the Temple Mount uh, because limited groups, nobody can meet. In fact, on Friday morning, the government officially Uh, confirmed uh, the national crisis that by penalty, uh, people would be confined to their homes as much as possible, not go out for any non-essential reasons, but they can't ban all prayer, certainly. And so there have been some gatherings, but more Jews have been free to go up and pray on the Temple Mount. Friday there was some trouble up there when it started raining and some of the Muslims that were up there praying gathered together closely in violation of the regulations. The police came in and there were some scuffles, but Yes, it's the Jewish homeland. It remains the Jewish homeland, but it's virtually under lockdown, Jimmy. And the main problem has been that every day this week, the number of cases has doubled from the day before. So it was over 700 as of Friday, uh, some of those in critical conditions. And they're also finding that the majority are in the age group between 20 and 50. So uh, very few children, very few teenagers, but the majority are in that young adult to midlife. Arraigned. So that's so worrisome too. They've had a a leading doctor fall ill, a leading judge fall ill, and many others. So the government just decided that this is the time to really crack down. Nobody go out. All schools, of course, are closed. The students studying at home and public gatherings of all sorts just banned as Israel, like the rest of the world, pretty much goes on uh, lockdown.
0: Well, it's interesting what the prime minister said this week. He's, of course, the one who's setting that restriction in place. But he said, folks, this is not a vacation time. (laughs) This is a very serious time. Some Israelis thinking they can just go to the beaches or whatever, like they are doing for spring break there in Florida. I'm going to talk with Winky Madad in a moment, David, about the situation in this third election and will they possibly go to a fourth election. But I do understand that Benny Gans, who heads up the Blue and White Party, has said he at this time is willing to sit in a government, a unity government that would be led by by Prime Minister Netanyahu. That's an interesting development.
3: It is, Jimmy. He gave an interview to Channel 12 on Thursday night, and he said that the situation has drastically changed and that the campaign promises he made no longer apply during a national emergency. I'll quote him. He said, I'll do what is needed under the circumstances, but he said we need to match the election results with the current situation. In other words, he wants quite a few of his own party in the government because he did get... A good amount of votes in the Knesset, but he did say that, quote, all options remain on the table. So he is uh, open to a national emergency government. Clearly, the people of Israel would like to see that. Clearly, this is not the time for political wrangling or bickering. The Knesset's been suspended. Everything is to the ground to a complete halt. Tourism is completely empty. They've shut, basically shut down the airport. So they plan to completely shut it down here real, real soon. So the situation has changed. Uh, hotels are being prepared to uh, receive cases of uh, coronavirus, etc. So it's a very, very drastically different situation than it was uh, just a few weeks ago when the elections took place. And he's just recognizing that fact.
0: Well, and in fact, uh, the Israelis should recognize it as well. And all of us here in the United States, I know that uh, you are at a location which is able to be a safe place for you. And uh, Judy and I have come off the road, and we're in our safe place here in our home at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Very interesting activities going on in the Middle East. You have the coronavirus pandemic, and then there's a report coming out of the Horn of Africa. There's a swarm of locusts arriving in the Middle East just in time for the Passover. Now, that's a couple of weeks away, Passover, April 8 to 16. But boy, that swarm of locusts they don't need that in Israel. And of course, praying every day, even at the Western Wall, that there would be an end to this pandemic of the coronavirus.
3: Well, yes, Jimmy, it's very biblical. Let's face it. They're talking about a closure just for the next two weeks, but with the number of cases doubling every day, and of course it happening elsewhere, and we know that it took China four months to even start to level off, and that was taking drastic steps from the very beginning, which Israel took strong steps, and that's part of the reason Netanyahu's popularity ratings have gone up. He's been Uh, very quick to, even with the economic damage, to, you know, ban tourism and do these other things. But yes, now we have a locust coming up, so the Passover is going to be very, very different. Many of the rabbis have called for Jews to go up to the temple Mount and then then in their synagogues around the world and to pray for God's mercy, because they do point to many, uh, several incidents in the Bible where it says that plagues were unleashed by the Lord, or at least he allowed them to come. One was when King David, of course, uh, disobeyed God and launched a census, and one of the options God gave him was a plague, a short period of time, but a very deadly thing, and we know in the Bible, I mean, we know in the Exodus that this occurred as well, so add locusts to the myths and you really have uh, something from on high. Many are saying this is not just coincidence that this is happening and has disrupted life. So much, but as you said, people are falling on their knees, and uh, you know the good news is it's gotten everybody's attention, and uh, life has uh, altered, and that's all over the world. And hopefully, many people will cry out to God and come to God as a result of this. But boy, it's looking very much like the period of Exodus again.
0: What about the Palestinian situation, David? We knew that uh, Bethlehem was shut down because of the coronavirus and uh, we don't know exactly how they're cooperating with the Israeli government. How is that all breaking out there in Israel?
3: There has, Jimmy, been uh, good cooperation according to both governments, especially on the health departments. They recognize this affects uh, everybody. It doesn't discriminate on religion or race or background or anything like that. So there's been good cooperation Uh, Everything is basically locked down in the Palestinian zones as well. Of course, uh, Bethlehem was already in that position several weeks ago, but everyone ordered home. Uh, All schools shut the same thing. The military in Israel is uh, very active and very alert, Jimmy, because with the price of oil dropping to around $20 a barrel and the plague, if we can call it that, the sweeping through Iran, The Israelis are very concerned that the mullahs there might say now's the time to attack Israel. So there's very much concern that that could be in the mix as well. Here we had uh, and some more incidents this week. I won't go into details, indicating that Iran is still in an aggressive mode and they're still talking about defending the Palestinians, uh, taking back Al Quds, the Haram al Sharif, the Temple Mount for Allah, and all these sorts of things. And of course. We've got to remember, their religion says there would be a great world crisis that would precede their great imam, the 12th imam, coming to power, coming back, and uh, ruling all over the earth, and the earth would convert to Islam at that time. So they, they in a way, want this to happen, and uh, aren't afraid, in a sense, to lash out in the midst of it, even if it means they would get hit back. So. Israelis have to watch that on top of everything else right now.
0: David Dolan, the man who covers the Middle East, is a key region in our world, as we think prophetically. And David is an expert because he's been there so long, covered, journalistically, that region for so many years. David, thank you for your report. Hey, buddy, stay safe, stay well, and we'll talk again next week.
3: Thank you, Jimmy, and all your listeners, and
0: stay home. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Winky Madad, as I have mentioned, is going to join us and look at the election process. Is there a possibility for a fourth election? And what would happen if that took place? It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today.
2: How do you like your news?
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I told you we traveled back into Chattanooga from Springfield, Missouri, where we had our last meetings this last weekend. Next couple of weeks, we're going to be home at Broadcast Central and somewhat quarantined, Judy and I. We'll be away from the rest of the family since our age is a very severe time to get some type of coronavirus. We don't want to do that. Well, our good friend and broadcast partner, Winky Madad, a familiar name to all of you who listen regularly to our broadcast, is reporting to us from Shiloh in the center part of the state of Israel. And Winky, let me just, I've got about three or four items I want to talk to you about. First of all, Are you confined there to your home in Shiloh because of the coronavirus?
4: Yes, of course, it's a self-isolation. In other words, we're not, thank God, uh, sick in any way. But because of the extra precautions, as you said, I'm uh, a little bit younger than you, but I've managed to cross the threshold so that we have been instructed to stay at home as much as possible. In fact, we even got a delivery from our local grocery today instead of me going down the hill. And the synagogue services are very sparse in terms of only 15 people being allowed into the building at the time, and everybody has to stay away from each other. And I don't think I'll be allowed to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath services because there should be too many people for us, and the rabbi would like all those over 60 to stay at
0: home. Well, that's basically the same way it is here in America, quite an interesting time in the history of this world. One other item before I get to ask you about what's going on as it relates to the elections, I understand that uh, the WAF, the Islamic Trust they're controlling, having custodial responsibilities on the Temple Mount, has shut the Temple Mount down to Muslims, at least the Dome of the Rock, and they'll lock the mosque, no prayers going on up there. But this has given Jewish people a great opportunity to be able to go up onto the Temple Mount, travel in a minion of 10 men each, of course, six feet apart, but be able to pray and have a wonderful time. And it seems like it's a part of the biblical mandate when the plagues were hitting the land go to the temple area. And that seems to be what they're doing. What is the latest report on that?
4: Well, Jimmy, it's a sort of a yes-and-no situation. As you say, it's not that the Temple Mount is shut down. is that no prayers are allowed inside the Dome of the Rock or the Al Aqsa mosque. Uh, but, well, let's put it this way. A not-quite-unlimited number of Muslims can come in, and they're praying outside the walls of the mosque, uh, which sort of, if I wanted to make a joke, I could say, well, finally, they know what what's like to pray opposite the Western Wall. Mm-hmm. But uh more Jews are easily getting up there. The problem is, of course, Jimmy, for, for those in the know, the strictures on entry into the Temple Mount for very observant Jews also obliges them to go to what we call in Hebrew a mikvah, or a uh, a pool of water that will release you from impurities. And now the government is saying you can't go to these ritual pools anymore. So some of the men, I think with great sacrifice, are going to uh, springs to take their dip. And, Jimmy, at this time of the year, you might freeze between the time you get in and the time you get out.
0: Yes, that would be a little bit of a hindrance of going up onto the Temple Mount, but still they're enjoying their superiority there at this very sacred piece of real estate for the Jewish people. Well, I do want to talk to you about the coronavirus as it affects the Vatican. I want to do that in a moment, but just quickly, can you update us? Is there any difference from what we talked about last time as it relates to the elections?
4: Well, the fifth member of Knesset, ...has now gone into self-isolation. And that has a uh, direct application to the latest argument here in the Parliament, in the Knesset. Yuli Edelstein, who's the Speaker, closed down the Knesset for recess until next Monday uh, because he said that the parties involved could not get together... To set up several basic committees so that the Knesset work can get on without a government. It's a separate issue, Jimmy. I want to make it clear: there's one thing that the Knesset runs, and another thing whether a government. Uh, last time I think we spoke, we mentioned the fact that Gans has 28 days minus almost a week now. I think, and time is running out for him. But there also are several committees that have to be set up so that everything is running. They couldn't get together. He shut that down and that angered the Blue and White Party very much and the the Joint List, the Arab Party. But if more members of Knesset are going into self-isolation or quarantine, his problem won't be closing down the Knesset and finding enough people to open it up again.
0: What about the fact that they've been trying, and I hear there have been some secret meetings going on, between uh, leadership in Blue and White and also the Likud Party to try to form a unity government. Any further activities going on on that scene?
4: We don't know, Jimmy. As is usual in Israel, it could be a lot of the noise that we hear is, as you say, perhaps uh, to hide the fact that unity government talks are going on. On the other hand, though, the rhetoric here, Jimmy, is becoming very uh, strident. Can I use that term? in terms of suspicions by Blue and White that Mr. Netanyahu is the dictator and an overthrowing government, and that we could, is saying that you lied to the electorate that you wouldn't go together with the joint list, and now you seem to are going to. I think we discussed that last week when I mentioned that three members of the Knesset from the opposition are not going to go with their parties uh, together with the joint list, and so everything is up uh, in the air at the, at the moment I'm speaking to you.
0: By the way, let me remind everybody that joint list that Winky is talking about would be the 15 members of Knesset who are Arab. And they, of course, have put a joint list together. And uh, the fear is that they could really cause harm and dangerous activities as it relates to the operation of the Knesset. And of course, in the election of a prime minister. Well, we'll stay on top of that with you, Winky, at another time. There's a very scholarly rabbi who is warning the Vatican, and his warning to the Vatican is you need to return the temple vessels or the coronavirus is going to worsen there in Rome. Now, I believe what he was referring to, and I want to get your input on this, was that in 70 AD, when General Titus came into Jerusalem from direction by his father, Vespasian, who was the Roman emperor at the time, to destroy the city of Jerusalem, devastate the temple, and disperse the Jews to the four corners of the earth, that they took a number of vessels back into Rome with the purpose of being able to take the treasuries of the temple and rebuild the Roman Empire. In fact, in 71 AD, the Roman Empire did build that wonderful Colosseum there located in Rome. Well, what's the real truth on this? Is that factual that they did take these implements back into Rome?
4: Well, let's put it this way, Jimmy. We do know that the Colosseum was built with a lot of the money and property that was taken after the uh, revolt in Judea. Whether or not the implements uh, or any of the parts of the temple, I know that many believe it, uh, and I know that the Vatican has not been open enough about saying, well, come on into our archives. So this remains as a question. I cannot say whether it's wrong or right. I would think that if anything was found, they would have taken a bet. It, it happened uh, back on about 500 years earlier and happened all over the world. Where Rome, or uh, conquering armies were, they plundered and, and, and took things away. So it's not out of the ordinary. Unfortunately though, uh, we do not know because the Vatican, as far as I know, has not been open completely about that. I've read denials, but I'm, I, I can't fully believe them because I don't think this is full proof that they're not there.
0: You know, I have had the opportunity to visit in Rome, went there into the older city of Rome, and found the Arch of Titus and engraved on the Arch of Titus, which was erected by Vespasian, the father of General Titus, the Roman army leader. They had engraved there on the walls of that Arch of Titus the menorah, uh, the table of showbread, and the two silver trumpets indicating that's what they brought back from Israel and the destruction of the temple. And of course, I've heard as much as 50 tons of gold and silver was taken back. They're going to try to build a Roman empire back from where it had fallen. So, And in building that Colosseum took a lot of money as well. And I remember, Winky, the last time a pope did visit Israel, that the Israeli government actually sent an envoy to meet with the pope and ask him, is it true that the vessels are there, and would he consider bringing them back? It would be unbelievable, Winky, would it not, to have the original vessels from the temple in that next temple that's going to be built in Jerusalem.
4: Absolutely, And, and, and these things can surely exist, because as you know here at Shiloh, when we have archaeological excavations, We find things from way over 2,000 years ago that exist. So I would hope that if there are, or whether there were any temple uh, implements taken back to Rome, they surely can and would exist, and I'd love it to be able to be taken back to Jerusalem.
0: Oh, yes, and put in that next temple that will be on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Well, Winky, I want you to stay safe, stay well, buddy, We need to have you continue to keep us updated on the elections and other things happening in that very key region of our world. Thank you so much, my good friend. We'll talk again real soon.
4: Jimmy, thank you so much for having me on the program. Goodbye to you and our
0: listeners. Winky Madad giving us a potpourri of events that we needed to talk with him about. Interesting story. We'll stay on top of it with Winky and others. Right now, we're going to cover the European Union. That is a major region of our world. It's an economic, political operation. And the man who does that for us, John Rood, who has lived in that part of the world for over 30 years... And we want to go to him right now. John, I said that the European Union is an economic and political operation. That may, however, be coming apart, especially because of the problems with the coronavirus there in Italy. Just talk with us for a moment what your thoughts are on the European Union.
5: Well, the European Union now dealing with the coronavirus is a bit behind the curve. So now Europe has become the epicenter of the contagion. The European Union had had failed to take quick action. Of course, as we know, one of the big proponents of the European Union is free movement of people, goods, and services. And this had also the free borders, which resulted in the Schengen Agreement, which even includes most of the European Union, but even countries that are not in the European Union Now the free border idea has actually backfired and has to be taken back to a certain extent. The EU has acted basically slow in the matter. They've just done a travel ban right now. When you have countries that are in virtual shutdown, obviously Italy is leading the pack with that. But the European as a whole and with our examination has been very slow to take a concerted effort showing leadership.
0: There in Italy, they have a very elderly population, I think, first or second in the entire world. And what about their hospital system? It doesn't seem to be their health care system does not be up to par with maybe other countries of the world. Has that been a part of the problem? They seem to not pay attention to the warnings, and this has caused the epidemic or the pandemic to expand across the entire European continent, hasn't it?
5: Yes, indeed. Italy has a uh, older population, certainly. The Italian health system is in a very bad condition. And as of now, basically one half of all of the coronavirus cases in Europe are in Italy. And yet, we haven't had a concerted effort from any other nations or the EU to uh, help Italy in the situation, they're just basically uh, preparing, thinking that they could very well soon be in the same state. Of course, Italy is being hit hard because of the aging population. And as you mentioned before, we have an economic backlash from this. This is certainly enough to set the Europe into a recession. And so we have to deal with that, obviously, in many months to come.
0: Well, when we hear that uh, there are nations in the European Union who are locking down, looks like the entire continent of Europe is going into a lockdown situation. Is that pretty much the case? Are they endeavoring to use this vehicle to maybe even try to put in its place or stop the coronavirus spread?
5: I've seen that when we're looking at certain scenarios and and implementations that we feel might be done in the next coming weeks. And then I look in the news, and it it happens that day or the next day. And so there's a very vast flux of operations here. But, yes, we have basic shutdowns in Italy, Spain, Germany, France, Switzerland, and Norway. And so, yes, we we would expect all of those countries and more to be basically shut down. It's more of a reaction on the European side. Thankfully, in the United States, although there have been some of these measures, it's in a preventative cause because the whole idea, of course, is to be able to slow down the spread of the virus. And so, uh, thankfully, the precautions that are being taken in the United States will hopefully cause the United States not to become the epicenter in the next weeks as Europe is today.
0: Yeah, and I know that both you and I, John, are prophecy teachers, students of Bible prophecy, and then teaching those we come in contact with. And one of the reasons we have you on the broadcast is to show us how the European Union may well be developing the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. Now, I know you're not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. Do you see that uh, the European Union will be able to survive enough to continue to be that infrastructure, or will the Lord do it another way?
5: Well, being able to monitor the European Union and their actions for a couple decades, I would already say it would be very close that they would take similar measures as after nine eleven. So, therefore, all of the plans that are you know are brought to the table in an emergency. And it's the time that the European Union quickly passes things that are their particular focus, uh, which could not be necessarily done easily in a normal time. And so there will be a reinvention, as we see, and the European Union will take actions, which eventually will lead to a more centralized government. And in that regard, yes, uh, these are the type of trends that are important to monitor in the eventual building of a ten-nation power base of the Antichrist. These are things that will be brought out in terms of uh, centralized control in the long term.
0: You know, we look at the political, John. That's the purpose for you being a broadcast partner with us here on Prophecy Today. But we understand the prophetic, and that's God's Word, and that is absolute. Hey, John, stay well. Thank you so very much for joining us today. We'll have another conversation next week.
5: Thank you. Everyone stay well.
0: Well, in this half hour, my final guest is going to be Sam Rohr. Sam is the president of the American Pastors Network, and he is also the host for Stand in the Gap Today Radio and Television. I'm honored to be able to join them every other Wednesday with a Middle East News update. And Sam, when we were doing the program last Wednesday... He mentioned that the Pastors Network was coming together with some suggestions for pastors across the United States. I thought it would be great to have Sam on with us. Sam, as your position gives you the capability of communicating with just hundreds and hundreds of pastors across America, you and your team, what are you recommending to these pastors as it relates to their services or how they should continue to minister in their church? churches.
6: Well, Jimmy, we're first of all saying that this is when the understanding of a biblical worldview and talking and preaching about the Bible in times of prosperity and peace actually becomes a very practical application once we move into a time where we now have government actually passing regulations, laws varying degrees of uh, levels of uh, civil authority, that limit the gathering together of churches, and uh, pastors across the country are struggling with that as services are having to be redirected because civil government says we don't want fifty or more people together, or hundred or more now. In many cases, ten or more. Uh, and so, where can we go and find the bottom line biblical principles? And for us, that takes us back to saying, all right, we got to go back to what we always say. How has God set up society uh, where you have the family, you have civil government authority, and you have church authority, three institutions? And so it's simple here. We say this. We are to submit ourselves to the civil authorities, and we do that as long as and up until the point that civil authority crosses the line and tries to confront what God has said for us to do. And that's always been the principle... Through time, So if government says because of the need of being concerned for the lives of people, we are asking everyone not to, to for a temporary period of time, that's a key, stay away from each other, then in fact, that being a law of civil government, that the Church, in fact, ought to try and observe that. So observe the laws of government to the extent that they do not cross or contradict the laws of God. And then that has applications with it. So that's number one. Number two, is that the church really needs to be thinking always about their obligation to fulfill the purposes of the church as God has established, and that is to uh, Matthew twenty-eight, communicate the gospel, ultimately making disciples. So the teaching of the word must continue. The forsaking of ourselves, not together, is a command in Scripture. Well, we have we may at this point become more. Uh, creative about that. And thankfully, one of the good things is is that technology is allowing pastors to communicate with their people. Uh, many are doing it, uh, short videos throughout the week, multiple times during the week right now. I, in my small group, just on Wednesday night, decided that we were going to try and meet by Zoom, video conferencing. And nobody except one other business person on that, to that call, that group, had ever done it before. Well, it worked out extremely well. And uh, we were able to see each other, pray with each other, teach, do everything that we could do in a small group, physically, we could do in that setting. So we're saying, don't uh, abandon, but think certainly in terms of doing what the Church is supposed to do, even in this limited, more limiting time. And then and then the other bottom line would be this, without a doubt, use this time to focus not on ourselves but others. Now we should be doing that all the time. We should be of God-focused people. We should be an others-focused people. And uh, and as people become more and more concerned and frustrated with being told you got to stay in your house as in New York right now, you know, for the next month or whatever, this is going to become very troubling to many people. And it's a wonderful wonderful opportunity and the fourth point we're saying is don't view it as a time to retreat as a church View it as a time to advance. And if we have the hope of eternal life and we have the assurance of Jesus Christ and salvation, and we know that He is our strength and He is our guide and He is our fortress in times of trouble, then let us now communicate that in creative ways, more aggressively, more intentionally than ever before. And I think even in the middle of this time, the gospel. Can actually go forth in ways that we have not probably considered before, and that's the silver lining in times of trouble. But I think that's what we've seen in history throughout the world. As uh, tough times come to Christians, the light seems at times brighter. I think uh, we're seeing an opportunity to do that now.
0: You know, Sam, those are some great suggestions and some great ideas as well, how to innovate in this very special time. And it seems like the Lord is trying to get our attention and I think this gives us an advantage as well. God's Word does say, be subject to the higher authority, book of Romans, uh, chapter 13 and verse 1. Uh, but it also tells us that we need to pray for our leaders. They're making some very important decisions, aren't they? And First Timothy exhorts us, chapter 2, to pray for those in higher authority. We need to be doing that all the time, don't we?
6: We absolutely do, and perhaps we are seeing the truth and the power of that passage. We know, I mean, all the listening to the program now, if they're believers, they've heard that before. We are to pray for those in positions of authority. What do we sometimes still often think is what is that purpose? The purpose is that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Well, if government is, in fact, doing what it is supposed to be doing. Of course, first Peter and Romans praising those who do well, protecting those who are doing well, and punishing, bringing justice to those who break the law, who do evil. If that happens, then there, in fact, can be peace in a society. Now, we do know, though, very clearly, that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Why do they rejoice? Because they're doing what I just said what they ought to do and what God's design is. But if the evil bear rule, and I think the circumstance of the coronavirus around the world, when it's upsetting uh, the lives of others, we must pray that God brings and gives great courage and strength to those who are righteous, who know the truth, and pray against those who are evil, because there are those out there absolutely who see this and will want to use this opportunity as a prime opportunity to bring a totalitarian form of man-centered government into position, juxtaposition position a God-focused nation, such as what our Constitution, our nation, is built upon. So ultimately, this is a spiritual battle, I believe, Brother Jimmy, as we are moving into it. It has a political face to it, and it's going to be effectuated by policies, but we need to pray that God through his righteous people, enact policies that can guard against the intention of evil men to gain control over and to limit the peace and ultimately the ability to live a Christian life and to freely communicate the gospel. This has been the battle through the ages. I believe we're going to see that coming forth, and so there's all the more reason in the world to pray for those in positions of authority.
0: Yes, absolute. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. You need a scripture basis upon which you should pray for those in higher authority. I noticed that we have had a real uptick in our YouTube channel that is available all the time, and we are putting brand new prophetic teaching on this YouTube channel because people are confined to their home. This will be a great opportunity to not only be praying, you're looking at innovative ways to have your church activities, but studying the prophetic word of God. Hey Sam, thank you so very much. Great insight. I wanted the pastors and the parishioners to be able to hear what you and your team of pastors across the United States are doing. God bless you my dear friend. We'll talk again real soon.
6: Thank you. It's great to be with you Brother Jimmy.
0: We're going to take a break and when we come back I've got David James standing by. We'll have our weekly conversation. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So glad you could join us. Thank you for staying with us. Here's our poll question. Go to my home page at prophecytoday.com. On the left-hand column, if you scroll down, you'll find the poll question. The Bible says that God set up human government to lead humankind. God tells us to be subject to higher authority, Romans chapter 13 and verse 1, and we must pray for our political leaders and do that first. That's First Timothy chapter 2 and verses 1 to 4. Do you believe that we as Christians must be subject to the higher authorities and to pray for those higher authorities as we await the rapture? Well, that's the poll question. Answer it, please, if you will. We would appreciate that so very much. want to remind you on YouTube, our channel, youtube.com forward slash prophecy today, we are putting up prophecy teaching different teaching from on location, or in a conference where I may have been speaking, we would love for you to go there. And in the time you may have that you're at home, you can study Bible prophecy going to my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash prophecy today. And if at my website, prophecytoday.com, you look at the Prophecy Bookstore, you'll see we have some great discounts on some of our materials because you may not be able to get YouTube. That website, prophecytoday.com. We now bring to these microphones David James. David and I have a weekly conversation we focus on an issue of much concern from the body of Christ, the church, Christians out there who are looking to God's Word to direct them on how to have a Christian lifestyle, how to walk daily with the Lord. David, last week we discussed the problem of some false teachers who were trying to take advantage of the fear surrounding the coronavirus pandemic after we aired that program, received an email from one of our regular listeners who was upset about how we handled this, even though he said he was generally in agreement with us on most of our issues. Your thoughts?
7: Well, as we said many times before, Jimmy, we always welcome any and all comments and concerns from our listeners, uh, whether they're positive or negative or corrective. Uh, So we really do appreciate getting this email. Our listener began by writing this. He said, uh, I was very saddened and upset about the commentary that you made on the March 14th Prophecy Today program. You once again attacked Jim Baker. Make no mistake, I give Jim Baker no quarter. I don't find him trustworthy. However, I believe you must be held to a higher standard in how you address things, especially since you set yourself forward as an authority on a radio broadcast with a worldwide audience. And he and I emailed back and forth uh, several times, and it ended well. And in the last email, he wrote, Please forgive me if I've been overly judgmental. I believe you give overwhelmingly good information. Uh, I would give you a grade of 99+. plus." So I was happy for that. One -hmm. of his main concerns was that he felt we had singled out uh, Jim Baker in order to attack him, but hadn't said anything about being concerned for him personally or encouraging our listeners to pray for him. So I do encourage people to pray for Jim Baker, and I also hope that he's not so self-deceived that he won't yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. And this would be true of anyone in a similar position, but I would also say this, that prayer is needed for the millions of people that he's deceived over the years through false teaching and fear-mongering, and I hope they haven't been harmed to the point that they just turn from the Lord and sound Bible teachers.
0: You know, David, and let me just add this, I think that you and I set ourselves to the same biblical standard that we're endeavoring to try to get Jim Baker to do. So uh, what's good for the goose, good for the gander as well. Well, as we were thinking about this week's program, David, we decided it would be good for us to continue the discussion of the coronavirus situation, especially thinking about how it's already affecting our day-to-day lives and our ministries in some very significant ways.
7: Well, I know it's affected your ministry, Jimmy. As we were talking, I know you had to return home early from a ministry trip earlier in the week, and you've had to cancel a trip to Israel, and there may be other cancellations going forward. I had two ministry trips to Europe scheduled for the next five weeks that I've had to cancel. Uh, I was going to teach students in Ukraine by video after that trip was canceled, but then all the schools in Ukraine were closed, so even that won't happen. Uh, On Thursday, the State Department issued a statement recommending no international travel at all. Uh, California has locked down the whole state. The big three automakers have shut down, and on and on it goes my wife works at Indiana State University which has sent all their students home and we're concerned what this might even mean for her job since she still has over a year to work before she qualifies for a pension and it's affecting different people in different ways depending on where they live and where they are in life in terms of age and health and it's it's becoming a tremendous hardship for families with kids in school you know I just read a couple of days ago where it's been estimated that 50 percent of all small businesses will close if this doesn't end within three months. And and of course, churches are wrestling with lots of things surrounding this crisis, uh, how to care for church members and those in the community, and depending on the state they are in, uh, government restrictions concerning the size of public gatherings.
0: Well, those are very important issues that have to be thought through and endeavoring to try to get some biblical perspective on them. You know, this last point brings us to an important part of our discussion, I think, for today. From our phone conversations earlier this week, David, I know that you've been concerned about how divisive this has become among at least some believers.
7: Well, you're right. It has become very contentious and polarizing, uh, especially when it comes to decisions uh, about whether churches should continue to hold public worship services. As I've watched some people comment on this, uh, they are careful and thoughtful and balanced in their observations and and commentary. But I've run into some who are almost demonizing those who come to different conclusions about how to handle this personally and as churches. So, on the one hand, some are insisting that the government has nefarious and tensions and is infringing on the constitutional right of assembly with restrictions concerning the size of public gatherings, and they're also accusing those who are suspending church services of giving in to fear and government overreach rather than trusting the Lord and obeying God rather than man, since believers are not to forsake assembling together. But on the other hand, some are insisting that those who want to defy the government And keep churches open are failing to sufficiently care about the well-being of others. For example, especially the elderly and those with underlying medical conditions, which may put them at high risk. And another argument that is being made by those is that some are failing to recognize that we are to submit to those in authority, understanding that those authorities are appointed by God. You know, I'm sure that everyone is trying to do what they believe is wise and biblical, whatever their conclusions. And so we need to give some room for disagreement. Uh, on this without a lot of hurtful rhetoric.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, and it's interesting you brought up the passage of Scripture, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Well, there's also the point where two or three gather together. (laughs) That's a very interesting point, something along the lines of what the government is actually recommending. I know that you have put up a Facebook post dealing with this, David, So what are some of the things that you suggest to try to bring some balance to this?
7: Well, I think we all need to understand that everyone is really trying to deal with this as they believe is appropriate. You know, some may overreact, some may underreact, but that's largely a matter of perspective and context. And And as the situation evolves, the, the way people are handling it is also evolving. Even my thinking continues to evolve on this. I'm not where I was a couple of weeks ago, and we shouldn't judge or demonize individuals or churches concerning how they deal with it in the short term. For example, some churches have older congregations, while others may be mostly younger on average. And it may not be about just the church members themselves. It could be that they have elderly parents. I'm in that situation with my own parents, who are 82, and I'm sort of on call for them 24-7, so I personally can't take the chance of becoming a carrier until this situation calms down some. And then there's also a difference between a church of 50 versus 250 members, or even 2,500 members. Everyone needs to handle it in a way that's appropriate for them in their context and their situation, and we we probably shouldn't try to armchair quarterback decisions made by other sincere believers who love the Lord. You know, in First Corinthians 13, we read that love believes and hopes all things. So we need to assume the best about those responsible for these kinds of decisions. I know the leaders in our church are, are taking this very seriously and trying to make wise and godly decisions, so we shouldn't accuse believers of acting out of fear rather than faith, or accuse them of disobeying God when their motivation is to obey God in the wisest way possible.
0: David, as you've already mentioned, some are saying that this is part of a larger scheme by the government to marginalize Christians and take away our right to peaceful assembly. And so they're determined to stand against recommendations and even bans on certain size gatherings, depending on the state. Well, first,
7: I would say the right to assemble itself is not being taken away. It's just the manner in which an assembly might take place that's being restricted. And, you know, there's always been restrictions on assembly to some degree. For example, you can't have a peaceful assembly inside the fence of the White House. Or, to bring it to a church, you can't have a worship service in a church building before there's an occupancy permit. So we just need to figure out other creative ways to come together as a church, especially if this goes on for many more weeks or months, And as I mentioned, the leadership in our church is working on this, and churches across the nation are faced with the same thing. And we also need to remember that these restrictions right now, they're just temporary. This This isn't a permanent change, and I think we can comply for at least a limited period of time for the sake of our church families and to be a good testimony in our communities. It's also important to recognize, uh, I think, Jimmy, that Christians aren't being singled out, so this isn't anti-Christian persecution. Of course, we do know that we're living in perilous times, and that there seems to be growing anti-Christian sentiment, and as we move deeper into the last days, uh, certainly things are going to get worse. And the situation that we're presently in, uh, it could change in the future, but for now, the current restrictions just don't represent persecution.
0: You know, David, as a result of our present conversation, it seems like this present crisis is presenting a lot of difficult challenges. However, would you not say, David, it's also providing some unique opportunities for believers in the future?
7: Yeah, I really think you're right, Jimmy. You know, one of the things that I frequently say to people when unexpected things happen is, you know, this didn't catch the Lord by surprise. Things often catch me by surprise. I didn't see things coming, but the Lord certainly did. And that being the case, that leaves us with a couple of main questions, and that would be, what would the Lord have me to learn from this, and then what does He want me to do in the midst of this? You know, among the things we always need to learn about the Lord are He's always in control that He is loving, gracious, and kind, so we know that we can trust Him in every situation, even the most difficult ones, meaning that there's no reason to be anxious for anything. We can also spend more time in prayer and make our needs known to Him, but we always need to do it with thanksgiving, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. And then concerning what we can do we can learn to be a blessing to others in some very tangible ways in our churches, for example, especially to those who are being affected the most, which could include not only the elderly, but families with children who can't go to school and those whose jobs are in jeopardy and others. And, you know, a lost world can see that we're truly Christ's disciples by our love for one another. And speaking of the lost world, uh, there are a lot of people out there who are hurting and afraid right now. They don't know what to think about how to handle this situation. And we can meet the physical, and emotional, and uh, spiritual needs of unsaved family and friends and and coworkers and neighbors, and we can have a genuine ministry in their lives, and the results of that can be eternal, and we need to keep an eternal perspective in mind.
0: David, some great words there. I think this was a very important conversation, really practical, as we as individual members of the body of Christ will understand he is in charge, like you said. He knows exactly what's going on. And let's uh, take uh, this opposition, turn it into opportunity through the omnipotence of God. I love that phrase. That's what the early disciples did there in the book of Acts. We make it applicable even in this crisis today. Thank you so much, David. We'll have another conversation next week, and be safe, buddy. Be well. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Jimmy. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to open the Bible. All of our broadcast partners have reported something going on in their region of the world. We'll discuss it from a biblical and prophetic perspective. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today.
7: Hey, everyone. This is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services and the courses for weekend conferences of six to ten hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website.
2: I look forward to hearing from you.
0: It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. Our broadcast partners have been around the world gathering information that would assist them in giving their insight to us on current events that are unfolding. And now it's our opportunity to to take these reports and give you a prophetic perspective on the news happening around the world. And I literally mean around the world. Ken Timmerman jokingly saying he's under house arrest there in southern France, as is in America. They're encouraging people to stay in their homes, somewhat of a lockdown as it relates to France. And Winky Madad, following the instructions of the Prime Minister of Israel, he's at home there in Shiloh, a great historic significant location, and he was able to give us his report from there. All of these great reports from our broadcast partners are so important as we consider the prophetic scenario that is found in God's Word. I would say that you need to hear what they had to say. If you were not able to listen or hear all of these reports, simply go to my website, prophecytoday.com. Go to PTRN, Prophecy Today, Radio Network, and there you will find archived all of the reports from our broadcast partners today. And then when you see how you got that report, be sure to send the link along to a friend or a loved one who needs to understand these current events in light of biblical prophecy as well. Now, if you do listen to our broadcast partners, here's what you would have heard today. Ken Timmerman there in southern France talking about an Iranian official who was calling for all Iranians to go out and spread the coronavirus to the world. He believes that will help bring back the Mahdi, that is, the Muslim Messiah. That's right. Islam does have an eschatology. Now, this is a program that is focused on eschatology, but we get our scenario from the prophetic word of God, and that is an absolute. Iranian Islamic eschatology is wrong. It's not biblical. But the Islamic world, may I tell you, is recognizing where we are and what's going to be in the future. They're looking for their Mahdi, a false messiah. We can have the hope our messiah is indeed on the way. David Dolan gave us his Middle East news update talking about the coronavirus pandemic and swarms of locusts on the way to Israel just in time for the Passover holidays. You know, pestilence and locusts, does that not sound like biblical judgment? Remember Second Samuel chapter 24 when King David, because he numbered the amount of the Jewish people, was sent a pestilence he had a choice to make. He made it, and 70,000 Israelis died at that time. And of course, you cannot forget how Moses took on the Pharaoh of Egypt, and pestilence was prevalent there. Now, when you speak of locusts, the prophetic book of Joel and the first chapter of Joel talks about the locust invasion on the Jewish people. That was in Old Testament times. Joel chapter 1 is not prophetic. It's just giving us the history of the locust attacks on the Middle East. And in essence, as you study Joel chapters 2 and 3, you can see what God is warning of as it relates to that locust attack. It tells us that the tribulation period is coming, pestilence, and locusts will be prevalent during that time. Mickey Medad talked to us. He was there in Shiloh and somewhat confined to his house because the prime minister of Israel has asked the Israeli citizens to go home and stay home and see if they can shut down this pandemic running across the Jewish state of Israel. Winky gave us a report on the elections. He also talked about how the coronavirus crisis is unfolding there in Israel. And we talked about the Temple Mount. No Arabs up on the Temple Mount. That's been closed down to all Arabs, but the Jewish people have freedom up there. What a unique opportunity for the Jews. They were able to go up and pray on the Temple Mount and even carry their Bibles up there as well. Now, this is essential as you look ahead and understand the prophetic scenario that there will be a temple on the Temple Mount in the near future. People must be trained for that time. It's a false temple for a false Messiah, but the Scripture calls for it to happen, and that's an absolute. John Rood talked to us about the virus pandemic in the European Union and the economic crisis. This is an attack on the EU, and the fact is that John and I talk about the European Union today, the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. Whatever may happen in the EU in these days, we can tell you for sure, Daniel chapters 2 and 7 The prophecy of the revived Roman Empire will indeed come to pass. Sam Rohr, who is the president of the American Pastors Network, gave us some ideas from his organization, key for church leaders in these times. And one of the ideas was, of course, to pray for those in higher authority and then commit any way we can to communicate Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to the lost. David James, he gave us some more thoughts along that same line, similar thoughts to what Sam had to say. But Dave actually gave us some very important passages in the Word of God to help us to remember what our responsibility is in these, the last days. All of this happening as evidence that we are living in the times of the end and not to say that we are in the tribulation period. The tribulation is not what we're talking about. We're talking about a precursor to the tribulation period. I know that because the rapture has not taken place yet. It's the rapture and then the tribulation period before Jesus Christ comes back to the earth. But what we're seeing today, as I said, a precursor. We must warn the people and come to understand the urgency of the moment. And in fact, the next thing on God's calendar of prophetic activities is indeed the rapture of the church. And that rapture could actually happen at any moment, even today. So the only thing I have left to say is let's keep looking up until... Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Prophecy Today is a listener-supported production of Shofar Communications in Chattanooga, Tennessee.